Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 50th episode of your favorite Spider-Man Bronze Age podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Murvell. And today we're going to be talking about some Spider-Man uh, cartoons today. That's right. It's a special occasion, and we have a, a, a usual special guest in the form of G.I. Jolie... Hey, hey! That's right, uh, call, calling in from St. Thomas, right? Yes. Yes, and a very special returning guest, Kristen Siapas. Hi, Kristen. Thank hey. you so much for coming back. I'm happy to be here. I'm Great. very excited. You're slowly <laughs> becoming a Spider-Man expert, right? Slowly, slowly. I'm still an amateur, <laughs> but... <laughs> no, cool. We appreciate the enthusiasm, so... Yeah, like, this is not the first time we've reviewed the cartoons, but obviously this is how I got into Spider-Man through Spider-Man and his amazing friends. I'm sure most of us, this was our first exposure to the character. It was probably the cartoons of the movies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Um, Okay, so yeah, today we're going to be comparing. This is, I'm going to give credit to Josh. This was his idea to compare an episode of Spider-Man and his amazing friends, which is, you know, from my era. To the 90s Spider-Man cartoon, which is more from, jo- I think, from everyone else. Yeah, from my era. Really, right? Yeah, yeah that's my 90s. era, too. Yeah, the yeah. 90s era is for me. Okay. <laughs> I definitely saw the 90s one when it was on, but it just, it, it didn't strike as much of a chord with me as, as, say, Batman. But we can talk about that later. Okay, so first we're going to talk about Spider-Man and his amazing friends, okay? So this is a great, this is a special episode we're talking about today. This is not the pilot, which we already reviewed on a previous episode. This is the origin of the spider friends, okay? So this is how we found out how the spider friends met and also how they got their super expensive, you know, headquarters thing on the Bob, right? That they have in their little apartment there with Aunt May. Right. So, yeah, so to briefly start tech. Yeah, right, right. Because as everyone knows, like, one of the cool things about the show is when they go into the little apartment there they like what is it a trophy they turn yep. the trophy and like the coffee table turns around and the wall turns around and you've got all these super high-tech computers and that's how they solve crimes right and so just like the go-to in every um mcu film the go-to in this show is we got it from tony stark right which is what we find out in this episode so to make a long story short basically to summarize the plot of this episode we flash back and we find out that uh, Peter Parker, Bobby Drake, and Angelica Jones were students all at Empire State University. They kind of met each other. And then later on, the Beatle attacked. What was it? It was Tony Stark was doing an experiment, right? Right. It was, there was like at a the adventures. Right, yeah. at the convention, right. And then, of course, they're all like, uh, I, I got to get out of here. And then they all magically showed up in their secret identities. They solved the crime. And then later, they kind of figure out that each of them, or actually Peter, Peter Parker figures out that, oh, because he, because he took pictures of her changing to Firestar, he figures right. out that Angelica Jones was Firestar, so then he surmises that Bob, Bobby Drake is Iron Man, so then they des- decide to become spider friends, right, <laughs> if only were that simple, and uh, then they decide to fight crime with the help of Tony Stark in a bizarrely miscast voice. Um, even though, <laughs> oh my god, yeah. <laughs> he has a fantastic voice. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Um he's like a Latin lover. I, I know, eh? Like, I don't know what it's so and, and he's got he's got the pencil mustache, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, but basically they defeat the beetle, they track down the beetle with his tech, they defeat the beetle, and then that's how they become spider friends, right? Right. So right. 
I'm just going to say um, only Kristen because this is your first time reviewing a Spider-Man cartoon. Obviously, I loved it, but I just want to know, was this the right. first time you've ever seen this 80s cartoon? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think I, I think I missed it somewhere along the lines because I think I knew about the 60s cartoon and then upon reviewing the 90s cartoon, I remembered that that existed because apparently I had forgotten it up until this point. Um, but yeah, I guess I totally missed the 80s cartoon and, and, and then I had to go back and watch another episode of it because I never this was a whole cartoon about the three of them working together right yeah so so Iceman and and what is her name fire Firestar, Firestar, Fire Girl, Firestar. Um, they're they're buddies like this whole time, and and I now I want to know more about their backstory. Of course, and I'm like, shoot, now I gotta watch a whole '80s cartoon to figure out what's going on here because there's X X Men involved. It just yeah, I didn't know it existed, and it's super cool. I I liked it a lot. That's not a bad thing. Just so you know, I just spent the COVID summer rewatching the entire series, and it was a pleasure. Okay, so <laughs> right. yeah. You got some good watching ahead of you. Okay, what about you, G.I. Jolie? You've seen this cartoon before. You've reviewed it with us. Yes, I think we watched an episode where the Teen Titans were in it. No, Perhaps. you mean the X-Men. The X-Men. Yeah, not Teen Titans. Yeah, Teen Titans is too new. That's, and that's DC. It's also DC, yeah. yeah. That's another thing. Yeah. Forget I said that. Okay. Everyone watching live, pretend you didn't hear me say right. that. The other um, Teen Titans, also known as the X Men. Right. Yeah, do you know what? I think I'm. I'm thinking confusing Starfire and anyway that Firestar. thing where they're around Firestar. the pool and like just hanging out. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh. I have seen one. I guess I don't remember it very well then. Okay. And obviously, Josh, you are hate this show, but I'm trying to turn you into a fan. Um, uh, yeah. Well, okay, let's put it this way, Josh. Compared to the previous episodes, you've watched three or four now. Where does this one rate compared to those ones? It's your first this surprise. one's much better, I think, mm-hmm. than a lot of the other ones that we watched. The one with the X-Men was awful. Yeah, it was bad. It was a jumbled mess. I'd say, though, anything that is a like an origin story, I feel like that's I can get behind that more than any other. Like, mm. when we go on and we review the second one that we're going to review today, I feel like it's always harder to get in when it's just, like, an established hero and an established villain, and they're going to go and do the thing. Like, it's, it's a totally different beast. Like, where an origin story is, I think, always more fun to get into because it has such a clear beginning, middle, and end. Like, it's... Maybe it's because I'm a comics newbie too, and I'm like, thank you, small doses. Like, I just need small. Like, give me the baby cereal, give me the pablum. <laughs> no, no, I, I gotta say, I agree with you, and I mentioned that at our nerdy book club once, where the best, the most interesting part of any superhero is always their origin. Yeah, because it's always the thing that that's totally unique to them, right? Like any any of a story, you can usually take the character out, put another character in, it doesn't change. But with superheroes, like, Spider-Man's origin is completely different from Batman, from Superman, from Wolverine. So I agree. I, I'll, I'll definitely agree. That's what my favorite thing about any superhero. But yeah, so, uh, so Josh, mm-hmm. Spider- so Spider-Man is Amazing Friends. This episode, um, I mean, the animation's usually the same. Did you think the story was better? What did you think? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it was a lot a less of a mess than the previous okay. ones. I okay. think that the story was maybe a little bit better. I think the way things unfolded was a little bit more messy and okay. just kind of like things happening. Like, 
uh, Stan Lee narrating was kind oh. of like it was it was nice to like hear it and have it there, but it was kind of like how I feel when reading Marvel team team, team up. Um, there's just too much description going on. Just show me what you want to tell me instead of like constantly talking about it. For me, I, I, I think Stanley's narration adds an extra dimension. Um, Jolie, do you have an opinion about that, about Stanley's narration? Did you enjoy it? Um, do you know what? I, I just I was thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what? Anyone in the 80s, like, I'm not sure what they, if they would know what his voice sounded like. So him saying, hey, f-, like, wh- whoever, it's me, Stanley. I was like, oh. <laughs> but I guess not many people, and I could be wrong. I I was born in 1984, so I wasn't hearing his voice a lot. But why would you introduce yourself? Because, well, one... Sorry, I have a very messy unfolding thought about this. (laughs) Um, I guess people back then wouldn't have known who he was. So him introducing himself is fine, except for... As a kid, if if, it was, if I was a kid, say watching Gummy Bears, mm-hmm. and the creator of Gummy Bears came in as a narrator, it wouldn't mean anything to me. So, well, you but know what? establishes Stan Lee for the kids. Yeah, like I feel like I like I we when we watched the whole like Marvel movie thing that we did with our kids, it was like. Guys, that's Stan Lee. So now they like now they look for him. But of course, like now it's a thing yeah. with all the movies that came out before. I wondered when I heard him do this narration. A, does he narrate all of the episodes? Because this is the only one I've seen so far. And B, like, does this start this like early '80s moment start his passion for like cameoing in his own shows? You know what I mean? Like, how much casually inserting himself into yeah. everything they do. Well, this is, like, I kind of wondered the same. The other side of that is like, is this the first time that he that he shows up in a show that, where you know a Spider-Man show or a you know whatever? Um, and and does it spark something in him? Whether or not people recognize him, you know, that's kind of secondary. But I was like, oh, this is where he gets his like passion for getting involved with putting his own face and his own voice in there. Well, you know, the interesting thing is, is before Stanley in the '60s, no comic book really had credits listed at the beginning. So people would buy these comics and they'd never know who wrote and drew them. Like sometimes you'd have a signature like Batman by Bob Kane, but that was actually false because he wasn't actually ready or drawing it. Stanley was the guy who said, I want the readers to know that Stanley's the writer, Steve Ditko's the artist, or Jack Kirby's the artist, even the letterer and the colorist. And so it became like a family, right? And so I think he kid. The, the first, first Spider-Man comic, comic I read, it said Stanley Presents. Presents. So I Stanley, and then obviously I picked up on it's the same guy from the show. And so it's like, like Walt Disney naming himself, it gives itself face to, to the creator, right? 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 So, so I think, I think it was a really cool move. And I personally, I'm a huge fan. I think he's a great narrator. I think he's got a great voice. I think he's really funny. I mean, G.I. Jolinas and I have seen him in Toronto, and he was on stage for an hour, and he was like Don Rickles. He was so funny, yeah. you know? He's great, so, yeah, I think he's perfect for this, but, you know, that's just me. But let's just, okay, actually, speaking of voices, let's quickly talk about the different voices in the show, because um, I'm a huge fan of the actor that plays Spider-Man. Oh, I can't remember his name right now, but he also voiced Bumblebee for Transformers. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, oh, Chris, yeah, wow. same voice. 
I had such a big crush on Bumblebee. Okay. Really? Yeah, That's for real. The, the original Transformers movie. Can we review that one day? The original Transformers movie. Oh, was like, oh, oh my god! I used to like. Pre- yeah, you know when like little kids like pretend to like be married and like play house and stuff and like that was <laughs> totally. I was like, I'm gonna marry Optimus Prime one day. Yeah. <laughs> Ed Asner. Is that the voice? No, the voice of Spider-Man is Dan Gilvazan. There you go. Yeah, and he's also the voice of Peter Parker, so. Or of Bumblebee, yeah. No kidding. I'm looking at the 1994 credits, not the 80. Yeah. Uh, We should get into that too, though, because the the voice of the 1994 Spider-Man is Prince Eric from Little Mermaid. Really? Mm. Yeah. Talk about hard drop. Anyway. Okay. You anyway, recognize that voice. So, okay. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> of oh, go ahead, um, Transformers uh, voice actors, did you guys recognize Beetle at all? He was familiar. Because that was Is 100% Starscream. Starscream? Yeah. 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 Was like, he, he, yeah. he should cackle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That guy's a genius. Yeah, I mean, they're they're all, like, voice, voice, yeah. They're all like uh, even uh, Iceman was voiced by Frank Welker, whom we all know as Megatron from Transformers, mm-hmm. as well as Fred, Doc, Fred from Scooby Doo. <laughs> yeah, the guy's got a great voice. There's actually yeah. uh, a documentary online you can see. Uh, it's got Stanley, and it's got behind the scenes the making of this show, and they show all the actors at the booths, the sound booths, actually recording the voices. So it's great. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. The third voice I gotta talk about. Kristen, you wanna talk about having a crush when you're a kid? <laughs> Kathy Garber as Angelica Jones, my god, that voice. Uh is anyone else a big fan of Firestar's voice, or is it just me? Yeah, well she was Storm in the X-Men. It's um, like the X-Men Adventure. She was Storm as well. But Oh, in in the episode, okay. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I th- oh man. Okay, sorry. Go on. Hey, I'm anyway. just finding out fun things. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, We're getting lost in like IMDb now. <laughs> I, I mean, if you go through the cast, these people have all done other shows. They're all famous: Neil Ross, Dennis Marks, uh, Michael Bell from GI Joe, The Doctor Octopus. I think the voice work. Like, here's the thing. Obviously, in my mind, the show is perfect. Some episodes are better than others. Some of the animations better than others. But I really enjoyed the show as a kid. Rewatching it, some of the episodes weren't as good, but I thought this one was really good. So, I mean, certainly everyone can see why a kid in the mm-hmm. 80s growing up would enjoy it, right? So, is there, is there any, neg- like, let's talk about negative things. Does anyone have any, anything negative to say about this episode? Um, well, I, thought it was, I thought it was really stupid that it took them so long to, to, I mean, I guess this is like the setup, the kind of the joke of it. But yeah. it was so, they had like three encounters before Peter Parker was like, Wait a second. Yes. What if they're and the whole shtick with like I'm gonna freeze this hand. I'm gonna burn up this yeah. hand. I'm gonna freeze, wait a second. And he's like, what's happening? I don't know why I feel like this. Right. The <laughs> right? And like the right. dog, like the dog didn't give it away. Like five right. minutes before you just saw the girl with this dog. Oh my god! It was just it, that part was so bad. And then he's like, "I'm going to tell you a secret." And he like pulls up. Now I know I can trust you. First of all, he does not know that he could trust them. They could double cross him at any moment. But he's like, "We're on a roof together, so here it is." Like, yeah. and and you know whatever. I I did like that in the end. They they 
save Aunt May. Like to some extent, it was like, you know, there. She. I think we should take in borders, and then voila, borders. Like I, I thought that was okay, but like conveniently, conveniently. Oh look, there's the two I was just hoping to find, and then you guys can all sleep in the same bedroom or whatever it is you're doing. But I, I just. Uh, the the multiple encounters with like the very clearly same people over and over again that was terrible it was so bad it was like mm-hmm. yelling your tv screen bad and also tony stark's terrible oh my character. god yes. we've got to talk about tony stark His, and, yeah it, it's funny because like again growing up iron man was not popular and it's partly because I don't think anyone knew what to do with him until Robert Downey Jr. played him. And now right. that he's played him, I think anytime you read an Iron Man comic, you'd probably read it in a Robert Downey Jr. voice. But obviously back then, they had no clue what to do with this character. Well, you, you can kind of see the seeds of it. Like, like I mean, Robert Downey Jr. fulfilled that character perfectly. But it's interesting to go back and see all of the ingredients for that character as they go along, like, like mm. his like su- you know, suave, like, Oh, if only they knew I actually mm. am a superhero or whatever. I'm not going right, to right, right. but like his, his like, you're right. I don't know anything about being a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> a tinker tour. One of that machine's worth a small fortune. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Wait, what does the machine, do can i ask the power booster no 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 not the power booster the the um the crime fighting computer oh. that like oh. it just oh it googles it where the beetle is yeah let me try something basic where is the beetle and they find it in two <laughs> seconds you know yeah it's ridiculous yeah. at first they look at it and it's like um they're like spider star is like what what is this machine doing and uh He's like, well, it's showing us microwaves. Oh, look, look at all of these microwaves. The beetle must have figured out how to use a power booster, and that's why we can see all of these waves. See all these yellow squiggly lines? And then, like, and then Iceman and Firestar go out, but it is affected by a vacuum in the, in the, in the same way that right. everyone's TV in 1995 <laughs> got all fuzzy. Oh, you turn on a TV so and try to vacuum at the same time. So yeah, I just wanted to interrupt really briefly to say yeah. hi to Tim and Dan who are currently watching and to let anyone else know who is tuning in because we have six to eight, six viewers that we're currently talking about uh, Spider-Man and his amazing friends, episode, season one, episode 21, the origin of the Spider-Friends. So if you have any questions, any complaints, just put them in the, um, just put them in the chat box and I'll be answering them down below. So right now we're talking about the Stark tech that gets gifted to them and <laughs> from Tony. if you guys are listening to this um, afterwards, after we're not live on Spotify or something, um, this is a live episode, so everybody can actually see us. This is a live video feed. So make sure you go and follow us on Facebook at at the comic syndicate. um, So you can tune in whenever we go live and you can see all of our other stuff, or you can uh, find us on Twitter as well at at HCT Spidercast. And uh, yeah, you can definitely contact us through there. That's right. And this has been our 50th episode or I mean, it hasn't been, it is our 50th episode. We're not nearly done yet. We are currently talking about Spider-Man is amazing friends. We're going to be jumping to the nineties cartoon in a few minutes, but before we get to that, Josh, did you want to say anything else about this episode? Because I know that you're itching because 
You're not as convinced as the rest of us, I don't think. No, I, I think that it's, I think that it's a, it's very much a product of its time. Mm. Um, I think that for what it is, it's very good. Um, it, it's, it's a fun kids show that has some fun moments and like, it's, it's good for the kids, but the story <laughs> and the stuff that happens is not good. Like it's not strong. It's, it, I would never go back and watch it to see a Spider-Man story because it's not a good story. Um, later when we talk about the next Spider-Man, I would go back and rewatch that because even though it's not something like dark and serious and brutal, an adult story, it's still at least like there's some substance there and like things actually happen to the characters where here it feels like they're kind of just stumbling through. I mean, even when they're sitting down trying to you like problem solve what's going on with the beetle, Peter goes up to the, the to the computer and Googles, where's the beetle? And <laughs> while he's getting right. Naturally. Getting, yeah. <laughs> uh, after he gets after it gets jammed, he's trying to like stop the signal. Firestar and um uh, Iceman, they just go out and find him. Yeah. Like by the time by the time everything is unjammed, they're like, Oh, where where is he? He must be o- over here. Nope not there the only other place he could be is, is stark mansion or you know stark industries or wherever he is and they just go there and they end up getting there at the exact same time so like spider-man like like reverse hacking to to figure out like where he is is meaningless um even even like getting the tech is meaningless because it doesn't it's not effective at all in the episode it's just like this throwaway thing to, to show us how they got it because people were upset. And I think that's another reason why I was not a huge fan of the Stanley uh, voiceover. I, I'm not, I was obviously not upset to hear him mm-hmm. uh, and then like having, having him introduce the story was really fun, but then him like constantly going on about like today, you're going to figure out where they got the machine. You guys have been asking us, you know how that happened. And don't say that Marvel doesn't, uh, doesn't listen to their fans. And like, it just goes on and on. Just, like, Marvel, okay. yep. You know, come it. on. But, you know, uh, I disagree with all that, but anyway, that's okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what? I, obviously there's little things like the fact that he has a spider sense. He could have used that to track the beetle instead of his computer. So you're right. Of course, it's all this sort of shoehorned together. And they figured out a way to explain it with mm-hmm. Tony Stark. I don't think the plotting is good, but I still think it works again. Like you said, for its audience at that time, which yeah. is me, it works perfectly. It's, uh, it's really hard to like pick something like this apart because it's not like a current thing and it's not for me. So right, for me, right, right. as like as an adult, to come in and watch this '80s cartoon to be like, this sucks and this sucks and this sucks. It's like I can't really do that because again, I'm not the audience, and it's made for somebody completely different from me. But sure. just for me, it's not something that I would probably go back and revisit a lot because I don't have the nostalgia of watching it as a kid. So I don't think sure. I'm getting as much from it as other people might. might. Okay, but also like as as an origin story or as a as an episode as a story like you could tell this story like this exact story and plot line more effectively like it, it was mm-hmm. fun to watch it was nice to see it all come together i i feel a little nostalgic about the the you know talking about it being a product of its time like watching an old 80s cartoon is still like 
Oh, it's like it's almost I actually I didn't catch it in this episode, but I would not be surprised if there were like looping backgrounds, you know what I mean? Like the old like the same yeah, like I I, wouldn't pass the same rock, yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like I mean and for that reason it's fun to watch because it is what it is. And and sometimes when you go back and watch something that's super old like that, it's like painful to watch. So it wasn't it wasn't on the spectrum of like great things to super painful things. It was not super painful. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, the story could have been fleshed out a little bit more. Like even the the backstory of like, oh, we're ex-X Men and like that's all we're gonna say about it. Like there's no like, but where did you come from? And why did you why are you not X-Men anymore? What are you doing in at university? And why do you need a place to live? Like or why do you need it? Like there was a lot of like and then of course the you know trying to jam all of that in with a villain with Tony Stark, with like, there's just so many elements to try and make it interesting. So there's, there's no doubt like that why everything was so simply put together. Um, yeah. I think my only, like, like I say, my main complaint was that beat you, <laughs> beat you in the head. Like, Oh, who could this be? How am I going to figure out whose dog is this? Wow. That girl's so pretty. Like there was so much nonsense in the show that did not belong there that I think it really slowed it down where it could have been like a really fun, backstory could have been more more of a fleshed out story okay fair point now i'll go ahead julie so um i just have a question uh because we are talking about sort of um the the two characters and how they're kind of crammed in there but what is the legacy after after that like firestar and this is episode 21 so they come in on episode 21 and they they remain part of the cast they were already a part. This yeah. is a flashback. This is the yeah. origin. They were together since episode one. Okay. And yeah. then in the comments, someone is asking, in Spider-Man and his amazing presence, doesn't every episode have Iceman in a heat trap and Firestar in a cold trap from the villain, and then Spider-Man has to save them in every episode? <laughs> not quite. You know, I, just, I did just rewatch the entire series, and I can say that's not quite true. That might be true in some episodes, but not every one. Definitely or some a variation of a heat or cold trap. There's variations. There's a few variations, but yeah. not every like, episode. And you know what? That it, it, it echoes something Kristen said, where it's it's kind of like you know it's it's for the kids, kind of. Um, it's it, and it's good in that way because I remember a lot of cartoons um, from when I was younger. I didn't watch this one, but they all sort of had that same formula, and it was it's not sophisticated for adults. It's fun for us to be nostalgic about and remember, but as a child, it's kind of something you can rely on. You know, you Mm -hmm. like it. So if it's always a heat trap or a cold trap and Spider-Man saving his friends, like if you like Spider-Man saving his friends, you know, you're going to like the show. So Mm -hmm. I agree with Kristen where it's kind of like, it's kind of nice. It's kind of, it's got a charm. It is. Yeah, but I also agree with Josh where it's like, I'd rather watch the 90s Spider-Man. <laughs> okay, like, but go ahead, Josh. I feel like this one, I would absolutely love watching in the morning with a bowl of like cereal. Like, pour some Cinnamon Toast yeah. Crunch or Fruit like, Loop or something so and then just like... You. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yes, and I, there's one other thing I gotta say. An online reviewer was talking about the show and he said that he didn't think that the, that the theme was memorable. And I'm going to have to say, this theme is one of the best I ever heard, and it directly influenced the theme for uh, Comic Book Syndicate. 
I asked a friend of mine to write the comic book syndicate theme based on this show because I thought it was so good. It's so upbeat. It's so jazzy. It's got cool changes. I mean, the guy complained about the fact that there's like a, a narrator, like, you know, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Okay, fine. Take that out. But the actual show, or the actual theme, I thought was great. Kristen, what do you think of it? Do you remember it? Like, I, I just watched it like 20 minutes ago and I can't remember <laughs> it. <laughs> I don't think we have the technology to play it live while we're... Uh, there, there isn't um, like lyrics, are there? No, there's no lyrics. Yeah. I'll just sing. But anyway, yeah, it's really good. So if you get a chance, right, check it out. I believe you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, just stop. Anyway, um, jo yeah, Jolie, are you a fan of this song? Do you remember it from 20 minutes ago when you watched it? <laughs> Am I a fan of it from 20 minutes ago? <sighs> oh. I'm replaying it right now. Yeah, it, it's all, it, it's. Mm -hmm. It's not a bop. <laughs> it's just... Wouldn't this, uh, if, wouldn't this, if you were like getting ready to go out for Night in the Town, you put this sucker on, you are just ready to go, right? You are a punk. You are a Spider-Man yes. getting together with your amazing friends. You're yes. going to hit the town. Da, right. da, 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 da. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. No. <laughs> I mean, if I was on like a crime fighting team, maybe, like a vigilante getting ready. If you had... If you I had still be, yeah, I would still be pumping DMX. I don't know. Oh, yeah? I feel like I just get like hype in a different way. <laughs> okay, let's just get this gives me a great idea for a skit. Um, us in a car blaring this theme song and driving around Windsor and just pulling up to like stoplights and taping people's reactions. What do you think? I'm the friend in the back that is just completely embarrassed wow. and there because I need a ride. <laughs> Because okay. Oh, so on that note, we're going to wrap up that one. Obviously, I'm a huge fan. We got some mixed reactions from everyone else. But now we're going to compare it to the pilot episode of the 90s Spider-Man animated series, The Night of the Lizard. Josh, would you like to tell us what this episode is about? Oh, yeah, sure. Um, a brief description would be like... Uh, Josh is not ready. That's okay. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to do this, Josh. No, I didn't know we were, I was going to be doing the uh, the summary of this episode, but I'll give it a shot. Okay, so sure. Peter gets invited to the, go to this gala to take pictures, and when he's there, uh, no, I'm I'm mistaking this for a different episode because I watched a bunch of them oh, in a row. No. Do you want the, the gala episode is the next one with Alistair Smythe. Um, this is a in this episode. There's a reward out for uh, a picture of the lizard. Right. Uh, Jameson says that whoever can come back with a good picture of the lizard will get a thousand dollar bonus. So Spider-Man goes to try to f get a picture of him. Uh, he, he finds out that it's actually his professor, Kurt Connors. Spoiler alert for everybody who hasn't seen the episode yet. Sorry. <laughs> um, so it's just kind of like Peter working with his family to kind of calm Kurt down and kind of work with him, which is, I think, a really strong part of the story is he's up against one of like his strongest villains, but he's not really a villain. It's just kind of like something taking over him, like a Jekyll and Hyde type of scenario. So mm -hmm. it's uh, Peter just kind of trying to reason with him and, and wrestle with him and turn him back into the professor that he knows. And by the end of it, everything kind of goes back to normal and nobody besides Peter knows about um, what happened. So 
Yeah. Uh, yeah, I gotta say, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, I, I did, in the 90s, this show was on. I knew it was on. I didn't watch it as much as Batman and X-Men, but I always thought it was better than X-Men. And now rewatching it, I remember why. Like, Joe, mm -hmm. you grew up with this cartoon, right? You you watched this as a kid? No. Oh, is this your first, time, first time watching it? By the, yeah. Um, by the time um, 1994 hit, I was already watching like Power Rangers and Sailor Moon. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had kind of, and, and then I was watching X-Men, but I was totally, uh, I was still kind of at that point where um, Spider-Man was for boys. So I, I just didn't watch it. Yeah, I want to say my brother, I have a brother who's like two years younger than me, and I want to say that he was, like, I received a secondhand Spider-Man education. Like, this this cartoon would have been on in our house. Like, it would have been something that I wouldn't have changed the channel because oh. my brother probably would have been watching it. So I, I think I took in enough episodes, but I did not have a memory of loving it or watching it regularly or any of those things until the terrible theme song came on and then i was like oh yeah oh i know what this is oh it's bad. so bad it's so bad yeah. so bad guess guess who plays guess who performs that you'll never oh, guess in a million years to aerosmith joe perry from aerosmith <laughs> Get out. yes yes can we can you hear it if i play yeah. it <laughs> it's got the like yeah, robot yeah. voice. Yeah. And I didn't know until today the second okay. line is what is it? Radioactive blood, radioactive blood. I didn't know that. It took me 30 years. I never knew what that was. It's, so it's, bad. it's terrible. It's so bad. Yeah. Do you like that theme song? No, I don't think it's good. Okay. Yeah, it definitely does get stuck in my head because I watched it so much as a kid, so it's kind of just like yes. ingrained in there. So, right. yeah, it's so bad. So we can objectively <laughs> agree, at the very least, the theme song for Amazing Friends is better than this one. Yes, that's one point for Spider-Man as Amazing <laughs> Friends. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about the story. I did think the writing was pretty good in this one. I was genuinely apparently all the episodes were mostly written by one guy i think it was john semper jr i was surprised because apparently what he did was he read every single spider-man comic ever written and he's like, okay this is how we're gonna do the show so he kind of did it in a way that he could take all the good ideas dump the bad ones right and just sort of make it into this mm -hmm. new story and i thought it really worked like he introduced uh robbie robertson right? J. Jonah Jameson, you recognize it right away. It's like, here's all the archetypes. They're writing character. They don't, nothing has to be explained, you know, like the whole Kirk Connors thing with his arm and his family, his wife and kids. I thought it was really good. Mm -hmm. uh, Kristen, you thought uh, the writing was good. What'd you think? Did you agree? Do you agree? I think so. I, I mean, I thought, I, I, this is, I, I mean, again, we're only watching one episode, so like, it's hard to say now I got to watch like the whole series of this to kind of figure out what the character of this is. But like, I felt this is, this is the pilot, right? Like this is the first episode. So of course it's going to be strong. And I, I felt like they nailed it for sure. But as mm -hmm. like, as a first episode and what I liked about it as a first episode was that it, it established who everybody was without being an origin story. Like it was really clear who's Peter Parker, who he works for, what he needs to do, his relationship to Aunt May, and, and not only his relationship to Aunt May, but, like, his 
care and responsibility mm-hmm. and her like don't get a cold for being in the sewer like the right, whole, right, right. Like, their relationship was really str- like to me it was like just a really clear picture of like all the relationships and all of the the individual characters like it, it laid it out without it being uh like hit you over the head with like the the basics of the story so i feel like if i was watching this now like if this if this show came out today and it was this storyline and this script like i feel like i would love it now because it uh, as an adult of course i know you know the basics about spider-man so i i can enjoy this episode i did not like the cheesy computer graphic cgi chase no. scenes no i didn't like that later <laughs> that really stood out to me i don't know oh, that that so bad right yeah but uh but gi joe lee did you like the story the writing yeah uh it included my girl deborah whitman yeah and do you know what? Uh, after reading her in a bunch of comics, I get it. I get why Peter has such an aversion to her. She's supposed to kind of... Yes, Josh? This is know? a different Deb Whitman from right. the comics. I will say that. This is like a completely different char- characterization of her. Um, they took the bad, awful Deb Whitman and they kind of made her a different character in this one. I don't think at any point in the series, from my memory, are they ever like a love interest to each other. Like yeah, she's, she seems... she's always like a little sister kind of thing. Yes. And that's what I was going to say is like, she seems quite younger than him because she kind of like, and she's like a neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. So she sees him walking down the street and she's like, Oh, Peter, Peter. And her voice is like, like a small mouse and, I feel like she's like 13 and he's like, Oh, here's Deborah. Yeah. Here's Deborah Whitman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that, that's it's, the same. His reaction is the same. But anyway, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's like, they, <laughs> they made sure to keep that reaction in there, but they made it more, they made the relationship more appropriate mm-hmm. to the reaction. And it's like, great. She should have never been the love interest anyway. And I like it. I'm was, here for her. Was Deborah Whitman the one in the comics that he was like super mean to? Yep. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Did Iron comic with her, with her in it? Is that the one? There was, I think there so. Was, yeah, there was one that was like, oh, Deborah Whitman, God, why do we have to talk about her again? And then, yep. yeah. yeah, and he was awful to her. Okay. Basically, they carried that over. Like, his annoyance at her is exactly the same as it was in the comic. But in the comic, she was much nicer and more appealing. Here, yeah, she's like an annoying little sister. Or like Wayne's girlfriend from Wayne's World, you know, in the first mm-hmm. one. Question. Anyway, sure. Was Gwen Stacy in the 90s show? No, apparently she wasn't. I just read they specifically kept her out because they knew if they put her in, everyone would just be waiting for her to die. So they just mm-hmm. kept her out. And whenever she was in... Like whenever they adapted a story with her in it, they would just change it to Mary Jane or or Felicia Hardy. Cool. Like that. So there is your answer. <laughs> so Josh, uh, you obviously grew up on the show. Now mm-hmm. you're rewatching it, right? What are you thinking? Are you, are you pumped? Like, is it as good as you remember? It honestly is. Yeah, I I really do enjoy <laughs> it. I, I'm enjoying going back and revisiting it. Um, the CG is very. Um, in your face sure. uh, definitely at the time it was state of the art like mm-hmm. amazing but it's just so dated now um this came out and this started in 94 yes 94 right so i guess a little bit of, of history with computer animation uh, the reason why it's so off-putting is because it's 2d drawings on top of a 3d uh background in a computer 
And right, the right. first computer animated movie didn't come out until a year after this right. with Toy Story in 1995. So this was actually kind of ahead of its time for mm-hmm. being in the 90s and, ha- and including 3D and 2D combined together. So um, again, it's very dated now, <laughs> but um, I think that the the 2D animation kind of makes up for it because I think that there's some really strong animation, especially compared to when you were watching it back to back with the Spider-Man and his amazing friends, kind of like, sorry. Well, well, here's the thing is like the, the, the Spider-Man and his amazing friends, it was done by, I think it was Marvel studios, but obviously, you know, that they would, they have to farm out the actual animation to, to different studios. And that's why the quality goes up and down. But basically, it's the same company that ended up doing G.I. Joe, Transformers, and Gem. So that's why you have a lot of the same voice actors, the same sound effects, some of the same music, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that overall, Amazing Friends has some great animation. But I was surprised how good the animation was in this show, in the 90s show. And also noticeably better than X-Men, mm-hmm. which, which was a different studio. Well, this one totally, and I, I don't, I mean, this is not something that I did in preparation for this this cast but uh um i would like to look at like which other like what what other shows are connected to the 80s show and the 90s show because the 80s show absolutely reminded me of jam and transformers and like i want to see where the crossover is with some of those artists this one the 90s one reminded me of um the real ghostbusters and yes, Teenage Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles, the faces on those workers right. in the sewer, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it's like Ghostbusters and, and uh, Ninja Turtles. Like it's, and yeah. I was obsessed with Ninja Turtles. So I was like, oh my God, it's them. Like, it's nice to see that era of animation. Um, yeah, I thought it was, it was really iconic. Again, like something that was really indicative of its time. Like it, it was an iconic look for, for cartoons at that time. Hundred percent, yeah. Like I, I got that vibe too, and I'm, I'm skimming Wikipedia, and I don't see who did what, but you know, we can look that up later. But definitely a similarity it was probably the, the same studio in there somewhere, mm-hmm. and it also reminded me. And you know, I have, I have film buff friends who do not like cartoons. They will not watch cartoons. They don't take them seriously. And I know that people so, unfortunately, still associate cartoons with something kids watch. But just watching the show, I'm like, I've got a 65-inch TV, and I'm like, all the neighbors can see me at night watching Spider-Man cartoons. I don't give a shit, because this show <laughs> looks great, and cartoons have their own, like, like uh, what's the word? Not aesthetic, but, uh, yeah, I guess aesthetic that mm-hmm. you can't get anywhere else. Like, I like the 2D animation. I like the hand-drawn animation, you know? Mm-hmm. I want to see that. And, unfortunately, it's a dying art form, right? Because everything's replaced by... CGI like this guy, but anyway, um, no, I was kidding, Josh. Anyway. <laughs> it was really progressive for the time. But. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, GI Julie, were you a fan of the animation itself? Oh yeah, it was fun. It reminded me, like Kristen, of um, the Ninja Turtles, mm-hmm. um, right. which I also was ridiculed for watching as a girl from both <laughs> girls and boys my age. So um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it just like it. Uh, yeah, it really took me back to like gargoyles and mm. just oh, like yeah. I could close my eyes and I could hear and see all my old friends again, and <laughs> it was great. <laughs> oh my gosh! And well, I, 
Uh, if I could, if I hadn't have waited so late to watch, I would have watched more episodes. Like I, I won't watch. I won't watch Spider Man and his amazing friends. But I'm gonna watch this '90s show. Watch it. I have already slotted it, like slotted it into my list. Like I am so pumped to keep going with the show. Like I just, and, and also the fact that one guy wrote the whole thing, so mm -hmm. hopefully it kind of is cohesive. Josh, you know, it gets yeah. really great. Um, mm -hmm. It dives into like a lot of like big events that happen in Marvel Comics too. Like the event, the Avengers show up. Fantastic Four. I think the last season is Secret Wars. Like it, right? It gets pretty intense, and like everything is so thought out and well established ahead of time. Like you see a lot of characters. A lot of characters are thrown at you in this episode, but they never focus on them enough. Um, where they, it seems like a big deal, but they're just kind of like planting these seeds. That way, when they do become important later on, and they go more into their character, uh, you're you're like, oh, I, I know, I know who that is. That's the that's the girl that uh, you know danced with Peter at the. The, the baller, oh my god, sure. I'm, I'm talking about a different episode again, but uh, you know, sure, like, yeah. Fel, I think Felicia is introduced in the second episode, Felicia Hardy. So, well, um, who is Black Cat? <laughs> and, and apparently, apparently uh, this show and X-Men were innovative in introducing like serialized storytelling to cartoons. Mm -hmm. It didn't really exist that much back then, so it, it, it should, should get credit, credit for that, that as well. So I'm definitely right. looking forward to watching more. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, I don't have any personal connection to any of the voice actors. Does anyone want to see about the voices? Like, Spider-Man didn't strike me as great. Kristen, um, what do you think? Guys, Spider-Man was Prince Eric. Yeah. Okay, okay. What are you talking about? You can feel a personal connection with no, the I, man that married Ariel, the little mermaid. I, don't get me wrong. At sea on a gigantic mermaid, ship. It was very romantic. I just, I don't remember. I'm sorry. I don't remember the voice in, uh, what's it called? Little Mermaid at all. But, you know, he was fine. He was fine. Let's see. Clearly that wasn't a part of your imaginative play and... 1994. I think this show was my first introduction to Spider-Man. Um, okay. So when I'm reading the comics, this these are the voices that I hear. Ah, so like okay. this Peter is exactly who I think Peter Parker is. Mm -hmm. um, the voice acting later on in other episodes gets really great. The Kingpin as well. Um, Again, he's not in this episode, but uh, the Kingpin is like the, my go-to voice for what Kingpin sounds like. Um, later on, when Hobgoblin is introduced, he's played by Mark Hamill. Oh, very nice, great! Nice. Yeah, nice. So there's there is some really great voice acting in this show. Well, apparently oh. the, the creators also because let's be remember the '90s. I'm not sure if you know this, Kristen, but the '90s is notoriously known as the worst decade in comics history, like for superheroes, like. It's just, there are some great stuff that came out of the 90s, like Sandman and stuff like that. But for Marvel, especially, it was just a period of uh, uh, more titles, but lower quality stories, um, higher sales than bankruptcy. But the thing is, is a lot of new fans came in during that time. So obviously, people like Josh, like the stories that made me stop buying Spider-Man are the ones that you read as a kid. So we have a completely opposite perspective mm. on all the stories but apparently the creators of this show consciously did not want to make spider-man to be the way he was portrayed in the 90s because he did get a little bit darker 
little bit more brooding and they consciously want him to be joking around. So you notice in this episode, he's, you know, he's doing all his quips. They weren't hilarious, but they were fine, right? So there's a lot of one liners. Yeah, one. I appreciated it, right? Like I like a, I like a light superhero, right? So I thought that was good. I thought everyone, I like J. J. Again, J. Jonah Jameson was perfect, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, again, I was this was a pleasant surprise for me, and I'm definitely going to be uh, watching more episodes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Julie. Do you know what's really funny is that I am familiar with this Chris Barnes guy, but not because of. Little Mermaid. He played Greg Brady. He played Greg, the actual Greg Brady? Uh, no. In the very Brady Bunch movie from the... Oh, okay. Uh, okay, okay. So okay. He was my Greg Brady, not your Greg Brady. <laughs> but still cool. Sorry, what was the question? I was busy checking out all of the people who have joined us. Hi! Oh, nice. Hello. Yeah, so we're currently talking about um, the 90s Spider-Man, because this is, after all, a podcast about Spider-Man. And it's our special 50th episode, so we've decided to go live. Ooh. By the way, I want to special shout out to Kristen's, Kristen's husband, Gord, who is also here. Hey, the Gord! What's yeah. up? <laughs> the Gord is here, you guys. Oh, I hope yeah. he's watching with all the little ducklings. They can all enjoy. You, I hope you guys watched the episode. I had to watch the episode without my family. I like locked myself in a room. <laughs> like, I'm studying Spider-Man, you guys. You can't yeah. come in. Yeah. <laughs> well, as I've said before, Kristen, the entire clan is invited. For your next appearance, you're welcome to bring them all aboard. Yes. We'll have to plan something special for that episode. I'm not sure what, but we'll figure it out for sure. Yes. It'll be like the Disney sing-along. I'll have like my whole family. There you go. The Von Traps. The Von Traps. There's only four of them. I need a lot more to make Von Traps, but <laughs> it's, it, they, we make up a lot of people for sure. That's great. So yeah, so now, so you become a Marvel fan, a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan, now yeah. you're a Spider-Man fan, right? Yeah, I think um, if I can, uh, this has kind of sparked me to start to maybe introduce my kids to like more of the classics, because mm -hmm. as we kind of gently referenced earlier, kids do not have the luxury of Saturday mornings. There's no like set time where you right. get your cartoon fix. Cartoons are omnipresent. They're around like any time of the day or night. They're at your fingertips. They're in the car. They're on the, like mm -hmm. cartoons were such a sacred place for us on Saturday mornings for like just a certain number of hours. And if you slept in, you miss it. Like you just missed it. And, and so there is like, you know, there's something cheesy and cliche about Saturday morning cartoons and like having a bowl of cereal. But like when I get to do that with my kids, it's like, okay, forget it. We're shutting everything down. You're not watching anything new. We're going to watch 90s cartoons. We're yeah. gonna watch, you know, we need to reintroduce all of those things. So we started watching like Recess and Doug. And so nice. thank you. Shout out Disney Plus. Thanks, Disney Plus. But um, <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do some more Spider-Man education. Yes. And I need to get in like Gargoyles, TMNT. Like we sure. got I was definitely a couch potato as a kid, and I'm telling you, after school, I would watch Transformers, then G.I. Joe, then Thundercats, then Silverhawk, and I think I made it all the way to usually halfway through Punky Brewster before I, I'd just be like a vegetable, and I'd finally go outside, and then Saturday mornings, I would get up before the, I would get up before the TV even had programming. Right. right. <laughs> 
Then it'd be like news. Then it'd be like that like show, show, show. You guys don't you guys remember, remember this. But it'd be like, it'd be like, a, like guy a guy doing science experiments. experiments. And then in between, and then it'd be like, be like really real old bunch of bunny cartoons. Then it'd be great space, space poster. poster. Then it'd be like Qbert. Oh my god, I do not remember any of these things. Then it'd be Smurfs. And then, then later, yeah. Then later, Spider Man and his amazing friends would come on. The Incredible Hulk, Super Friends. Bugs Bunny, Mask. all that stuff. Mask, Mask was a weekday show. Oh, okay. Mask was definitely in there. Uh, Gem would have been weekdays. Or no, I think Gem started on Sundays, but I watched that as well. Eventually, we'll get to Gem because our, our, uh, our, our co-host, Beck, Beck Sleuther, is a huge Gem fan. So that's right, something so. in the future. There you go. So does anyone else have anything else to say about Spider-Man and his amazing friends or the Spider-Man 90s cartoon? I'm- yeah. Yeah, just just a little something that surprised me. Sure. Is the drama between Kurt Connors and his wife in the sewer mm-hmm. when she finds out that who he is, because she doesn't know, I guess. Mm-hmm. And just the way that he's like, just the, the interaction, interplay between those two characters. Like, this is a acceptable thing. Yes. The writing was, uh, it was mature, but it was still appropriate. Like, if I was eight, if I was 18, I could watch that. Right. No, if I was 38, if I was 82, it, it, it does something that's different. That's not overly mature, uh, like not overly trying to be like gritty and realistic. Um, and it keeps it, it keeps it just in the realm of animated. Like right, this right. is just a good story about Spider-Man and his villains and there's some slice of life stuff in there, and it's, it's it just happens to be animated. That's all. And exactly. I like I like that. Yeah. Whereas like Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends, it was definitely created for a certain audience. It can it has to be enjoyed with like something very specific in mind while you're enjoying it. But there was something about this show that was just like I can't like I can't wait to. I regret not watching it when I, it was on. I can't wait to watch it now that I understand everything. And I can't wait to show it to all my nieces. Like, there was just something about this show. Anyway. Also, I want to point out, remember when Aunt May got the bill that she couldn't mm-hmm. pay? Or it was like overdue notice. And she hid it underneath the thing. And yeah. then came in. Little things like that. Like, a little kid is going to at least know what that means. So, mm-hmm. and again, it doesn't dive deep into it. But at least it, it has it there. And so yeah, it definitely adds an extra dimension that the Spider Friends show did not have, right? Mm-hmm. And that's definitely. I, I thought it was interesting Spider-Man. that that principle was in both of them. In fact, like when I had watched both episodes, I had to watch both episodes twice to try and keep them fresh. But I had watched both of them, and then it got them confused because there was that element of like, oh, I don't know, times are tight. I'm gonna have to mm-hmm. take in borders. And then in the second, in the you know uh, the ninety uh, one, it's like. Uh, you know, all of this past due, like, oh, we've got money problems, blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I think it's interesting that they handled that problem with Aunt May two different ways that, like, it was totally superficial in the 80s version, but the 90s version had, like, real, like, depth of sadness and then, and then provided an opportunity for the characters to have an emotional response, both to the problem and the solution, in a way that was really age-appropriate, that was just, like, it wasn't oversimplified. It was just like, oh, this is a problem. Oh, I feel responsible. And in that way, it was one of the examples of, of uh, you know, Peter's character being established in a really, like, full way in, in just a few lines, right? Yeah, I thought that writing and the, and the 
the visual of like seeing the the page getting tucked under the book or whatever it was i thought mm. that was really really nice as well yeah, yeah i agree josh any any final thoughts um, I think this worked so well because it really felt like the amazing Spider-Man comic just translated over to animation. It's almost like they used the comic as the script to kind of transfer it over to uh, a different medium. I right. think that's why it works so well is because they took all of the, the best elements of that and translated it over to a show that is kind of accessible for everybody. Um, I really love the more mature... Uh, uh, villain with the lizard being one of the first ones like the first villain that you see is not somebody that spider-man is just punching to defeat at the end of the day and he's thrown in jail like he's not like shaking his fist and you know saying he's got to, gonna go rob a bank like it's right. it's a little bit more deeper than that and i think that um it's definitely a sign of where that show was going to go so i i really again I love the show, and I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm very biased in this because it's this is something that I did grow up watching. But I really do love the show. Right, and it got you into Spidey, right? Yeah. There you go. Judge Julie, are we going to say anything else? Uh, no. But you're slowly becoming a Spidey fan. Now you're starting to get why we love Spidey so much, right? Um. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I it, it, it like all things. It takes me just having uh, to do the loving on my own. I guess I'm gonna find something <laughs> I love. Look, I'm totally attached to Deborah Whitman, and now mm -hmm. I'm I'm here to protect Deborah Whitman. Going to party. So watch out, Spider Man. I'm coming for your gig. Are you watching? Are you? You think you're going to continue watching the show? I 110. percent I'm going to wait till my niece goes to bed, and then I'm going to sneak away with the Disney Plus, and I'm going to watch the rest of these episodes. Yeah, and I'm so excited for you. I was reading a book. F that book. <laughs> I am watching Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, she gets some fun, like character development. Um, she kind of goes off and does her own thing for a little while. She also gets like a different love interest in the show and ends up with somebody else. So it's, it's definitely, it definitely feels like a different character from the comics. So I'm excited. I can't, I can't wait. Okay. So yeah. So here comes the spider cast. We are dedicated to eighties Spider-Man comics. Obviously sometimes we talk about the cartoons. We'll be talking about more cartoon episodes coming up soon. Usually we do a month's work worth of Spider-Man comics in one week. So one issue each of Amazing Spectacular Marvel Team Up plus the annuals, plus we do the crossovers. We've been going for a year now. It's going to be at least a couple more years before we run out of 80s Spider-Man. So stick with us uh, if you're with us. And if you're not, then please join in. And Josh, you can take it from right. there. Uh, yeah, I think right now we're at about October. I think our next episode that'll be airing 51 is October of 1983. So we're going month by month. So... Um, if you want to know what's been going on with Spider-Man in 1983, definitely tune in to the, the podcast. You can pretty much find it anywhere you can find podcasts. That's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, like anywhere podcasts are, are found, you can find our podcast. Um, and you can find us here on Facebook at Co the Comic Syndicate and uh, on Twitter at, at HCT Spidercast. Um, please, uh, leave us a review or comment on one of our posts. We'd love to hear what you guys think about the show and the comics that we're reading. So yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we'd love to do more of these special fun live streams. They're not constant, um, mm -hmm. but every time there's something special, uh, we will be here live and in your faces. So. That's right, and it's uh, hosted by Josh and myself, Michael, and usually co-hosted with Jad Jolie. And we definitely would like to thank our special guest, Kristen, for joining us again. And you're definitely coming back again. We love having you on. So, awesome. yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, we do one every week. So, until next Monday, this has been Here Comes the Spider Cast. All right. See you then.